Welcome to the Stay the Markets podcast. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com. I'm Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. And our very special guest is Mark GB. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Tim. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Um, yes, welcome back. <laughs> it's great, great to have you back, Mark. Um, I know this is going to be a lot of fun and interesting. So our last two chats certainly were. Um, but the time well, Paul and I, Paul and I were just sort of, you know, backtracking on the last on, on last activity, and we were talking about Darth Vader's cock. <laughs> I to be fair, we do talk about Darth Vader's cock pretty much every time we speak. So, <laughs> well, anything specifically in relation to yourself? But. It would seem rude not to get it out the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the, the cock in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the cock in the room. So, for, for, the, for the benefit of anyone who may be missed, I think this is probably on our inaugural interview. If you'd like yes. to explain, I, I don't know. I can't remember remember what we were talking about but i yeah. mentioned dark Vader's cock yeah well what, it, what i remember what it was we were talking about um it was you, management turnarounds about, and management turnarounds and, you, and no, such no, no no mark, mark was saying uh, he was a negotiator and he yeah. was he dealt with um <clears throat> he, de- he dealt with uh, uh, sort of resolving difficult issues in the workplace and i said have you ever thought of putting them in one of those suits where they fight and you said you have those those um implements yeah. where they can hit each other with the big obviously well I don't want to even want to describe it and Talk. then it's cock yeah yeah <laughs> and that's where that came from yeah and so it, it's a lot cheaper than uh, yeah well well remembered so it's a lot cheaper than those rubber suits you basically use uh, it's some kind of polystyrene foam and it looks like a, you know you can't a, let you can't let too much sunlight in on magic, Mark. So don't don't give <laughs> don't give all the proprietary secrets away. <laughs> yes, it's good fun. I've done it myself. So um, because it's been a little while um, since you've been on, and and um, uh, could you give us a, a bit of bit of your background so the new listeners can find out about you? Okay, so um, I'm 67 years old. And uh, I was in business until I started to phase out of, of business about 10 years ago. Uh, I ran my own business, a consultancy, doing some of the, the sort of stuff that we were talking about there. Uh, only usually not such as, uh, as frivolous as that. Um, well, I'd say deadly serious myself, but that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, actually, if, if you get to the stage where you need to do some kind of aggression release, things are pretty bad. Um, And then I, instead of just glancing at the FT, I I would start to read it closely. I would say you became an activist, an activist FT sort of correspondent. Yes, I became a below-the-line correspondent where I I would reply to, I quickly discovered that they would allow you to write up to 1,200 words. Um. And so every week, Martin Wolf would put out one of his um, things. Let's let's be polite. He put out. He would, he would leave a dropping. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Martin would leave a dropping. There'd be some um, scat. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I would reply, and um, people liked it. I mean, believe it or not, there are well. Tim was at the at the FT, and he used to, you know, he would challenge the the you know the sort of party 
rubbish that they they spout there. There was quite a few people that weren't um, completely sold on the whole Larry Summers, Federal Reserve, you know, that that kind of nonsense that they Mm. they preach at the FT. Um, And so... I just started to write, and then and then um, a few people said started saying you should give Mark GB his own column, which I always thought was hilarious because there was no way hell was going to freeze before they would do that, mm. and I wouldn't have done it anyway because I don't think um, you know you, you, there are certain things where you have to be part of it to make a difference. And well, there you, you you wouldn't write a column for any any newspaper that would be willing to hold a column for you. No. <laughs> I'm a Groucho Marxist in that respect. You know, I'd never join any club that would have me as a member. Um, but because I think, you know, you, you can't challenge the system if you are, uh, if you're taking the the dime. If you're taking, you, have, you have to be outside the tent pissing in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started to do that. Then uh, I, I've, did my own blog, and it just it went for there from there. Then I started to um, I was approached by uh, Renegade, who um, I was I, I wrote a few articles for them, and then over the last couple the last couple of years, I've just gone gone back to the blog, and I think most of my stuff now is is not suitable for uh, any kind of. Um, media platform because well it's just i suppose it's too out there i mean i am a conspiracy theorist quite i am proud to be a conspiracy theorist in fact i've got a whole list of conspiracies that uh, i've been right about so I, I believe the acceptable phrase now is coincidence theorist yes <laughs> yeah i mean if you can look at what's going on in the world at the moment and think that this is events, dear boy, events, or, or or an accident, or some, you know, then you are, you know, painfully asleep. Mm. Um, and I, I know I don't need to sell that idea to you guys particularly heavily, but it astonishes me how um, so many otherwise intelligent people who see through things. Actually, when it comes when it comes right down to it, they can't seem to piece it all together. Like you hear a lot of people. I mean, I, I'm not going to name any any names of uh, all, all what you might call alternative people. I'm happy to I'm happy to rip a new Southern Harbour for any of the. Names. <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one. Yeah. I've heard that one before. Um, you know, any of the you know the the elite. Uh, side, side of the elite media, the mainstream established media, but there's a lot of very good people, whether you call them truthers or, you know, whatever you call them, uh, alternative media, both what you might call left and right, that have done a hell of a lot of good stuff and write a lot of things about a lot of things. But it amazes me how uh, so many people can't just put the, put the final... I think it's difficult for people to accept that that we have leaders in the world who are evil, mm. who, who are prepared to kill people, who are prepared to lie about life and death matters, and it's difficult to accept that because you know if you if you accept that then 
you know, what are you going to do about it? It, it? It's too much. Well, it's ex- extremely painful. Yeah. And uh, I'd say as, as someone who is, let's say, extremely more than sympathetic to, to your argument, it if, if you sort of go down the rabbit hole and then stay there for whatever reason, either because you it validates you in some form or it, it just, it just appeals to some in that, in a, in innate, um, inarticulatable way, then it also makes you rethink and challenge everything you've ever been told and everything you've ever been brought up to believe. And that's the truly unsettling thing. If you go down this rabbit hole and I'd say I'm, I'm largely, largely down said rabbit hole, then you, you start to wonder what, if anything you've been told was ever actually true. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you can, there's a, you can see examples of that at the moment. For example, you know, it is coming out, although the mainstream media wouldn't have you know this, it's coming out that the CIA were involved in Kennedy's assassination. Surprise, surprise. Um, but it's only taken 60 years for that, for take, that to surface. Yeah, it's only taken 60 years for it, yeah. Um, it's not going to take so long to to find out what Pfizer have been up to. It's not going to take that long to find out what Bill Gates has, has been up to. Uh, but it still it still takes too long. And I, and I think a lot of people, I was going to say particularly on the left, but it's not it. It's on the right as well. If you take Epstein, for example. By the way, if I'm going on too much or you want to give it a bit more direction, just tell me to shut up. That's that's fine. If you if you if you look at uh, Epstein, for example, now Ghislaine Maxwell has just been sent to prison for twenty years for essentially running a high class prostitution child trafficking outfit for Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, would you accept that? Yeah, that seems to tally with the the accepted accepted truth. Yeah, she's gone. She's gone for for procuring underage kids for sex for twenty years. Um, but it's the only it's the only ring of its kind that's ever existed that's got no clients. Mm. In other words, well, if, apart from apart from Prince Andrew. Well, yeah, <laughs> but he, you know, he allegedly. Yeah, alle- yeah, allegedly. But the thing is, we know who these people are. The FBI, Bill Gates. Allegedly, sorry, and Bill Gates allegedly. Well, if you've the F, the F, exactly the FBI have got the um, the flight logs. I've seen some of the flight logs. They were they were leaked by a, a gent, gentleman that uh, was associated with Epstein. Very helpfully, they were leaked. No one's ever come forward and said, "Oh no, these are not the real ones." So, like WikiLeaks, if they don't come out and say it's rubbish, it, it's not. Mm. Um. But to cut a long story short, Bill Clinton is on there 26 times. He's on the flight logs 26 times. Now, even if you don't haven't followed it closely, you can pretty much work out what, who some of those other names are. Now, if you can know that and then not make the, the connection that Clearly, some people are too powerful to prosecute, as if as if after the financial crisis we needed any more persuasion of that. Mm. Yeah. So these people are to to some degree above the law, right? Now you go to that place, and then you go, no. So hang on a minute. So actually, 
Epstein was photographing and filming everything that happened there. Epstein had uh, links with the, which we know, with the uh, intelligence services, with Mossad and with the CIA. Mm-hmm. Basically, they had the artwork on Clinton. Now, if you can go to that place and then you realize that we had a president of the United States, and he wasn't the only one, they, they've all been, uh, you know, they were all uh, controllable up until Trump. Um, Kennedy wasn't, which is why he had to go. So you, you go to that place and then you say, well, yes, but um, the, 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 the fact that there might be a conspiracy where a bunch of globalists want to run the world and COVID's part of that and the whole globe, the whole climate change thing is, that's just too far-fetched. That's too... Now, it, it, to me, if you've worked in an organisation... And you've seen how a small network of people can pull all the major strings in that organization. But you can't make the connection between that and the political world. And you can't see that if you've got the artwork of a, on a president having sex with young children, uh, that you can control the decisions that he makes. It, it's, it astonishes me that people can't make that connection. Mm. And then you hear people say, um, yes, well, you can change the individuals, but the individuals are not important. It's the system. It's the system. Well, yes, it is the system. But if you don't, if you do not prosecute, uh, if you don't take consequences to the people who designed and run that system on behalf of a small class of people, uh, you're not going to be able to change the system. And and this is where you know I uh, I find it frustrating sometimes that people just won't go there. They just won't. They just won't go there. And it's you know it's sad, but there we are. Do you do you put any of your commentary out on Substack? No, it's just on a um, just on my own blog. But would you would you consider doing so? Yeah, I would. Yeah. The reason I I mention it is because since I got um, involuntarily ethnically cleansed from Twitter back in the autumn, um, I naturally migrated to Substack. And I happen to say, firstly, it's it's somewhere I now post a fair amount of stuff and also repost some some of other people's commentaries as well that I particularly relish. Um, But also the quality of the stuff that I, I now look at on a daily basis there is intriguingly scads higher than what you get on, on other social media. So it's just, it, it's, it's like a kind of, um, Twitter that's gone, Twitter that's gone to, to, you know, to, to proper university and it's still free. If you choose to make it, so I mean, I need to find out uh, more about it. You know, I'm not particularly tech savvy. And, I, the, re- and the reason I mention it in now in the context of this interview is that there's there's a guy called Seymour Hirsch who you may or may not be familiar with. Yes, Seymour Hirsch is quite a credentialed journalist, and he put out a piece yesterday uh, titled "How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline." Yeah, and it gives you chapter and verse. Now, I can't validate what what is what is. Uh, suggesting or stating because he does use anonymous sources, but it, it it certainly his his version of what's happened in relation to the the explosion of both pipelines seems a lot more believable than anything that the mainstream media has put out. Absolutely, the idea that Russia would blow up its own pipeline is is was yeah. so grotesque that that was clearly nonsensical. Yeah, 
Oh, so I'm saying there are there are some there are some alternative voices that are may may yet find it difficult to get onto Twitter, but are are, are now happily at least currently given a voice on Substack. So I'm I'm all for it. Right. I will check it out. I mean, I do read people. I do read people. I get links to Substack, but I just I just haven't looked at it it as a platform. But I, I read people who are using it quite a lot. And as you say, there's a lot of really good stuff. No, I, on the Cy Hirsch thing, um, I haven't read the article, but um, it makes complete sense to me. I mean, I, it, it doesn't make it wouldn't make me flicker. I mean, I've kind of taken it as read that, uh, that 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 that's that's what's happened because it's in line with the agenda of certain people. I, and I think, but that that could, could brings that speaks to another important point because. We kind of use terms like America and Russia and, you know, UK. And because we've, we've learned to think in terms of the nation state, we kind of, we, we think of the world's players in terms of countries. Now, yeah. of course, you look at America's politics, for example, and America isn't America. You know, there are different factions there. They fall out with each other um, over certain things, um, and they agree on certain on certain things, and they will come together on certain things because they have shared interests. So, it, it really isn't a case of nation states anymore. I mean, even China, you know, there are um, there are there are factions in China who cannot stand the CCP. Um, and similarly, you know, in Russia, uh, people go on about. Putin as a hardliner. There are people in Russian politics that would have had him invade Ukraine years ago, and you know he's had he's had he's, he's got the patience of Job, because um, given the the extent of Western provocation, absolutely. Well, given uh, yeah, the provocation towards Russia, but also to what they've been doing in um, in the Donbass and Donetsk for the last since. 2014, um, and as as Merkel very helpfully said uh, in a in a newspaper article a few weeks ago, um, they never had any intention of keeping the Minsk agreements. Mm. She effectively said it was a way to keep the peace long enough for Ukraine to prepare for the war. Well, you, you spoke earlier about the the difficulty of. Let's say of the difficulty of life down, for want of a better phrase, life down the rabbit hole, which which sort of tr- changes your opinion and perspective on pretty much everything. Yeah. I was was with a client at lunch today, and I was making a similar point in relation to you know, my own feelings in relation to the it, let's call it the U.S. Though we're, we're clearly talking about basically the political branch or the administration, the what's currently the I'd call the Biden crime family aspect of the the American administration. Yeah, and the thing that I found perhaps most disconcerting of all the things that I found disconcerting over the last three years and counting is the extent to which a, a, a country and entity that I previously thought was one of our biggest allies. I now suspect is actually our, our deadliest enemy. It's done more. It's done more to impact the lives of the people of the United Kingdom more adversely than anything else I can think of, and I mean that quite sincerely. Yeah. And that's that's if if that is a correct 
uh, if that is the correct viewpoint, if that if it is a justifiable perspective, that is an extraordinarily bitter pill. Yes, well, I think I'm. Um, um, could you say more about the specifics, the, the specific things you're referring to? Well, I guess the, I, I would blame Paul for the for <laughs> igniting this inevitably, because I think the, the first time these sort of fears started to set in, I, it, it, I think it probably became clear by dint of doing this podcast and because of the people we had on in sort of mid 2020 that all was not. Um, there was something wrong in the state of Denmark. Something was rotten in the state of Denmark in, in relation to the, the the virus, or I say I would now almost go so far as to say alleged virus, but the virus and the vaccine program. You know, something just to smell distinctly off about the whole thing. And yeah. we had people. We were had the luxury of having people on, um, extremely intelligent people. I'm thinking of um, the Pandata people we had on. Nick Hudson uh, and Nick, and, Hudson, Nick, Nick Hudson of Pandata and yeah. Barry Norris before that. Barry Norris, who's a fund manager, and the, the the strange thing about all of this stuff for for me, in terms of what I was reading, the people I was reading on social media, clearly not in the mainstream, but in social media, like things like Twitter, and then people we were lucky enough to get on the pod, were all of the people who joined the dots out and extrapolated out the dots and were basically sniffing aggressively and rather cynically at what was going on. Pretty much all of them were non-medical people. They were financial types. They were fund managers. They were analysts. They were data scientists, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that was extraordinary. But maybe it speaks to the nature of what's actually going on. Uh, and I, I, won't, I won't digress too far, but it, essentially maybe it does speak to what's going on to the extent that maybe this, it, at its heart, if there is something going on, if there is a big if out there, what that if is all about is all about money and power, which is always what it's always about. Yeah. So in other words, it, 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 the, the cover story, uh, like any good conspiracy, you need a cover story. If the cover story is basically, well, there's a you know, dead, so-called deadly pandemic that requires all kinds of extraordinary measures and incidentally also requires the whole of the world to throw out hundreds of years worth of um, response to, to, to uh, viruses and start again from scratch in a very... Um, uh, communistic way in a very communistic big states social control way um maybe there's actually something else going on and the cover story is actually well, how do we get through the fact that the the western world is functionally bankrupt and we need to change everything we need to reset the system yeah and that that effectively is sort of where i've sort of got to which is i'm not i'm not stating this as definitive fact i'm really suggesting that there is more to the covid story than meets the eye and anybody who's been paying attention since since the start of this will realise that it's probably not just about health, and arguably it never was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would completely concur with that. I mean, if you read uh, Agenda 2030, the UN's Agenda 2030, or if you read The Great Reset, they describe very clearly the, the, the kind of world that they want. Um, and... So the so COVID worked as a uh, well. If I step back a little a little bit first, these guys work on the the, the uh, on problem reaction solution. So in other words, they have a goal that they want. They know they've got they've they want to introduce a great reset. They've got to sell that in some way. So they create a problem which generates a reaction to which their solution appears to be the right one. 
So it, it's it's a complicated strategic version of a of a false flag, which would be something that would be used in a smaller way. So if you want to if you want to create a new normal, if you want to collapse the system, if you want to build back better, well, of course you've got to you've got to collapse it before you build it back. If you want to have a great reset, you've got to have an excuse to do that. Uh, so COVID uh, was the perfect excuse. Um, they the, clearly, um, clearly, they've been preparing for it. Uh, event um, two hundred one, which took place in September of two thousand and nineteen, effectively was a trial run for it. They were, they were, they got a, a pl- they got a group of experts, so called experts, together, and they said, "Oh, well, this is this is just purely." Um, But let's just say that there was a surprise, surprise, a coronavirus. What would we do? How would we go about it? Blah, 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 blah. You can go back um, a further 10 years to 2011 when the Rockefeller Foundation released something called uh, Lockstep, which was a document that described how the world would go about uh, responding to a pandemic. And it talks about lockdowns, and it's a, so all of this stuff is all out is is all already out there. It's not like it, it's not events, if it, dear boy, events. But it's not like we're imagining these things, and they've no. yet to be discovered. No, it was planned. It was planned, and uh, you know they they put it out there. And now the the nearest they could get to to um, saying that uh, to actually admitting that was a oh dear. Well, you know you get Klaus Schwab coming on. This pandemic is a great opportunity for a great reset. You know, cartoon Nazi. Mm. Um, and then they roll this. They roll this thing out. Now, if you look back, if you look at it, it's Agenda 2030. It's the UN Agenda 2030. It's what the globalists have wanted for a very long time. It's a version of what was written on the Georgia Guidestones before they were blown up. Um, these guys want a one-world government. Um, they've wanted it for a very long time. They they have uh, they have they have power. They have money. They have resources. They have the artwork on all the politicians. Um, the ones that aren't bribed or blackmailed. Uh, there's the odd few that now they've had them since the cradle because of the uh, the Young Global Leaders Program, where you've got Trudeau. Uh, Prime Minister of Canada. He's one of Schwab's acolytes. Um, Jennifer uh, Jacinda Ardern, he's just had to go. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jack. Um, She's had to go. Uh, Then you've got Macron. You know, they've they've basically Control. I mean, Schwab even bragged in, t- in an interview in um, speaking somewhere in 2017, and he made the comment. He, he, he was very pleased with the fact that he said Justin Trudeau and half the Canadian cabinet are members of uh, of the World Economic Forum Glo- Young Global Leaders Program. Yeah, he said he was proud of how they penetrated the the corridors yeah. of power. Yeah, and then he turns round um, the other week and he says, "Oh no, we don't interfere." In national politics, you know, well, in the same way that a Tetsi fly doesn't interfere with your travel plans. Hmm. 
that's that's not its intention. But of course, having been bitten by it, you can't <laughs> you 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 can't do it. And these people do not uh, operate independently. I don't I don't know where we started from here. Sorry, I'm so I'm, to, 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 to cut to the chase. So could, the, the most recent stuff that you've put out, I've, I've read and. To me, it's it's come across as sort of quite optimistic that we're going to get some kind of resolution in favour of the people rather than the the, the big state, the, the sort of globalists. Yes. In what form do you think that is going to happen? Do you do you think that could happen through the result of, you know, legal legal action, say in the states? I mean, one hears about developments in Switzerland. One hears about developments in Thailand, where you know various interests are sort of allegedly combating big big farmer or bad farmer. In what form do you think, if there is a sort of a, a counter a counter attack, in what form do you think that will come? I, I don't know. It's, it's a great question. I wish I could give you a simple answer to it. I don't know the, the, the event, the single event that's going to form the catalyst for it. But w- what I see happening is, and I think in that article that you're referring to, the turning, I made the point about in the Second World War, you know, El Alamein was a turning point because Brit, the British Army had had its backside kicked mm. for three years. And then, you know, Montgomery won in Alamein and they hardly were, I took a back step after that and did so with the Russians at the Battle of Stalingrad, where in February, just it was the 80th anniversary just last week, Um they defeated the the Nazis at the Battle of Stalingrad, and from there until when they were they surrendered to the Berlin garrison in in May, nineteen forty five, it was that they never took a back step. They mm. gradually pushed the, the Nazis back. And not and not to sort of crowbar high finance in, but I think I'm right in saying also that the stock market was eerily prescient at identifying these sort of turnaround moments. Uh, I think also in the States, I think probably the, the, the Dow Jones, I think, correctly identified the turning point in, say, the war in the Pacific, whereby from that point on, it was only ever going to be an, an allied victory. Yeah. But the, but the stock market was ahead of basically every conventional political commentator. The, the, yeah. Sometimes there are times when the stock market is, you know, the market is intelligent. Yeah. You absolutely. can see things that nobody else can see. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, 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 the invisible hand, so to speak. Um, so with, I mean, it's important to, to we're, we're not in a, we're in a war, but we're not in a conventional war. This is fifth generation war where uh, it's, where you, it's not an attack on territory. They're not trying to uh, take territory. What they're trying to do, it's a, it's an attack on the belief system of the societies that they wish to control. Mm. So that's done by through things, through fake news, through lawfare, uh, through um, controlling all the politicians, through controlling the media, essentially controlling the narrative. The important thing is the narrative. Who explains to the masses what's going on, why they feel the way they do, you know, who's telling the story, who's telling his story. Well, it's always been their story that we get. Mm. Uh, fund manager, sorry to cut in, a fund manager friend of mine has described this as a metaphorical war, which I, I quite like as a coinage. Nice. As a, as, a, as a student of English, the one thing that I would 
acknowledge is that if, if you're looking for sort of big bombs to drop it linguistically, that one of the biggest you can drop is a really good metaphor. Because yeah. if you say, if you're writing a long form piece and you start with a really strong hook by way of a metaphor, it's like, it's like using an, a nuclear bomb. It's so powerful that you, you can, you control the narrative by doing so. Yeah. It's metaphor is really important because it, what it does is it joins the dots for people um, and the problem is there are by design as well, uh, because the whole thing about fifth generation warfare, it's uh, look over here, don't look over there. Mm. So you know, the, but that's 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 effectively magic, as in not not the real thing of magic, but the the misdirection of exactly. popular magic. It's slight slight of mind. Yeah, I call it slight of mind. So um, and it's and it's done through the use of language and it's done through what you choose to put on page one and th this is happening. You can you can bet when these whenever there's this you know this frivolous thing appears that everybody's you know completely hooked on appears what this story appears that there's something else going on they don't want you to be looking at. Um, so essentially, this is a war of narrative. And essentially, my point is that the narrative, they are losing their grip on the narrative. Mm. So, um, the, yeah, I mean, the, there are so many doctors and scientists now ripping apart the whole COVID narrative. Um, uh, because clearly... Uh, well, it was always bollocks. It was always bollocks, yeah. But you knew that. I knew that. You know, I said it was bollocks in April 2020 when Bill Gates said, um, we won't go back to normal until we've vaccinated 8 billion people. Mm. Now, to me, this is a, an enormous red flag. And I go, what? <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a closer look at this. You know, uh, but for... Well, for people who are not paying attention or people who don't know Bill Gates and his background and the whole connection with his father and Rockefeller and the financial and the, and the pharmaceutical industry, who haven't studied his career, who don't know how these families work, um, they go, oh, dear. We're going to, oh, does that mean everybody's got it? Yeah, well, everybody's got to get it. Oh, my God. And chicken licking tells foxy loxy tells turkey lurkey. Um, but now, even people who are very good, do as they're told citizens, are wondering why so many athletes are dying. Mm. Are wondering why, why so many relatives are dying suddenly. So when what so many relatives are dying, they happen to have a friend who's a funeral director, and he says he's never been busier, and he's never. And he's never buried so many children. Um, you know, and I'm not making any of this stuff up. You can go and find out about it, but you have to look for it still. Um, but they're losing control of that. Um, Biden, um, because America was was key to this, they had to get rid of Trump to do the whole um the whole global warming piece side of it, you know, the whole energy. They had to destroy the American energy uh, independence. They they want to bring the American economy to its knees. They had to get Biden in there. So they stole an election. We've, we've talked about this last time. Um, 
the, the, Biden now is a joke. Um, even the Democrats don't want him. They've got nobody to replace him. Kamala Harris, believe it or not, is less popular than he is. I mean, how she manages, she it really is a feat, uh, quite a feat to, to have achieved that, but she has. That's falling apart. The whole... Um, if you you know if you go past the out of the Washington media bubble and you talk to ordinary Americans about Ukraine, they don't understand why the why uh, um, why we're shoveling uh, taxpayer funded yeah. uh, stuff in their direction yeah. for, a, for for a country that until until very very recently was viewed as a corrupt third world shithole. Exactly. Well, well, how come these Azov battalion people are suddenly heroes? Um, when two years ago they was they were uh, regarded as a terrorist organisation. Oh, and by the way, I saw one down the high street the, the other day, um, and he had a he had a not swastika tattooed on his forearm. What on earth is that all about? And who was this guy, Stephen Bandera? Oh, isn't he the guy that thought Hitler was great? You know. So I even had a friend of mine the other day uh, who's got um, uh, uh, her son is in uh, Lithuania. He married a, a Lithuanian girl, and they're living over there. And um, uh, her, he was having a conversation with his mom, and he was saying, he, he was saying, it's what's going on over here, mom, is nothing like what you're being told um, is is going on. Uh, you know, we're not there. We're not a few miles from a war zone, and there's bombs going off all over the place. It's you know, it's miles away. What's happening is miles away. Uh, today I heard, I, I was listening to a podcast, an interview with a guy called um, McGregor, Colonel McGregor. He's an, an American colonel. Very often colonels have, give a very interesting perspective on things because they're, they're, they, were, they retired closer to the action than generals. Right. And they don't have to sign quite so many non-disclosure things. So... Very often, you, you, I, I usually pay attention when a colonel is speaking. This guy was talking about um, what's happening in Ukraine, and he said, uh, "He said, do, do you know, he's, Zelensky is very, very unpopular with the Ukrainian people." That's probably why he spends so much time hobnobbing with the rest of Europe. Then, yeah, he's either in front of a green screen pretending to be in a war zone, or, or you know, or he's. He was at Westminster Hall yesterday, I believe, mm. um, talking to the sheep down there. Um, you know, and he explained it. He said, he, he, he said, if you're a Ukrainian now, you're not happy that your 16-year-old is being conscripted for the army. You're not happy that the, the people who are serving in the army are, get, are getting killed on a massive scale. You're not happy that he's lying about how many uh, Ukrainian boys are getting killed. You're not happy about the fact, and if you're a soldier, you're not happy about the fact that you have been left stranded in a cold corridor bleeding somewhere and your government doesn't give a damn about you. When, when the Russians have got the finest logistics operation imaginable, I mean, they are literally, if the Russians, then this is all coming from this guy, McGregor. Yeah. He's an American. Um, so, he's, you know, his job is not to big up 
he's not trying to big up Putin or, or the Russians. He's interested in telling the truth about what's happening militarily. Mm. And the Russians have got a superb logistics setup whereby they get injured, they get shipped back to Moscow and they get looked after. Do you think there's any possibility that this war might end sooner than the the narrative is giving us? Um, I do, because and it's not and it's not going to work in favour of Ukraine. No, I mean anybody that has has thought for one moment that Ukraine could win, quote unquote, this is living in cloud cuckoo land, or listening to idiots like Boris Johnson, who, by the way, doesn't believe it himself. I mean, Boris is a clown when it comes to to foreign affairs, as he proved when he was foreign secretary. He's not terribly bright when it comes to this stuff, but he's not so stupid as to believe the the crap that he's been coming out with recently. You, the the idea that Ukraine could defeat Russia, uh, Napoleon couldn't manage it. Hitler couldn't manage it. Um, they have got a superb army. That, that is used to fighting, um, and there's just no, and superior weaponry. There's just no way. So to go back to your question, um, do I think it could be over? Yeah, I think it could be over very soon. I think that he could be Zelensky could be removed. He's not, um, at, you know, as you suggested, the reason he's over. One, well, that's why he's over here all the time, because uh, he's not popular at home. He's trying to get other people to fight his war for him. The people, we the people in those countries, don't want to do it. Um, and so, yes, I think that the Russians will are, are not far from achieving what they wanted to achieve. There's a couple of there's a couple of areas where they're still cleaning it out. And they seem to be employing the strategy of very slowly, but very surely, they're allowing the Ukrainians to flee if they want to, because frankly, they don't want to. Um, they can't slaughter people. Um, uh, they don't want to slaughter people, and they do not want to take lots of prisoners of war. They mm. want the territory where the Russian speakers live. They want to protect their own people, um, and they want to. Con- they want to control all of the. Um, uh, Infrastructure that was on their border that can, you know, the things like biolabs and all the rest of it, which, by the way, they have presented a paper to the United Nations providing evidence of the biolabs that, that the Americans have been running there. Yes, I remember not, not reading about it in the papers and not seeing it on the BBC. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I remember not, not doing those things as well. Um, because, of course, the, the, the Washington, the American press, started off by saying, no, 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 there, there are no biolabs. And then that didn't work, so they moved to, well, yes, there are biolabs, but, um, but uh, well, they're doing jolly good stuff. And, yes, it's all jolly good stuff and none of it's meant to be. Uh, and that didn't work either. So they, got, they went to, um, well... There are some dangerous materials in those biolabs, and we don't want the Russians to get their hands on them. You know, which for anybody who's been paying attention, you can kind of write the script for them before they come out with it. And when you hear it, it's such obvious crap. So, but 
the narrative, they're losing grip of the narrative because gradually more and more people, whilst they may not be paying attention to the degree that I do, that you do, that other people, some people do, they're at least noticing because you can't not notice it. You can't, you can't not notice that, um, you know, there are, uh, the Biden is closing down uh, the oil industry and he's going to beg, oil, beg for oil from Saudi Arabia. You know, kind of you don't need to be paying much attention to notice the hypocrisy. You, you know, you, you can't not notice some of these things. So they're losing, they are losing the narrative. So let's just say for the sake of argument that there is this the the narrative continues to spiral out of control, and there's ultimately a re- resolution. I nearly Freudian sliply said revolution. Yes, there is some kind of resolution to all this stuff. Freedom for tooting. Um, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that that happens, and obviously, I I I, I deeply wish that that's going to happen too. Yeah. Assuming that were to be the case, does it not suggest that if this, if whatever's going on in this world, whether it's you know whether one talks about COVID and vaccines and Ukraine and the the war net zero and all of these sort of I would say related strands of, of stuff is it would it not be fair to say that it was grotesque to think they could ever get away with it in the first place because you're talking about a, a global palace coup effectively yeah um, so in other words the, my question is is it not just is it not so much it, God it wasn't it incredible that this has happened but how the hell do they ever think they could possibly get away with it I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet and at least half of them have access to the internet. And yeah. you can shut down as much as much as you like, but the law, it's like whack, trying, to, trying to shut down all of the, quote, truth, unquote, online. Yeah. It's, like, it's like playing whack-a-mole you know, on, on a, in, in a global video, you know, in a global arcade. It's just impossible. I'm trying to think um, the, the people behind the, Brett, is it Brett Weinstein, the, the Dark Horse podcast? Yes. And he has this expression. I can never quite remember. Heather, Heather Hang and Brett Weinstein. Yeah. Heather and Brett. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a phrase that incorporates something like the, you know, the, the importance of zero. Or zero is an important number. The idea that basically unless, this is, let's just say for the sake of argument, there, is a, you know, there, there are dark forces operating and they're, they're pulling a lot of strings. They would have to control everything in media and and make sure that basically the resistance amounted to zero but that's palpably and clearly an impossible thing to pull off and so once again i ask the same question how do they ever think they could get away with it and if i could just put a an additional element to that um because obviously one of the biggest areas where people can post now it seems what they want is twitter what you were talking about the news narrative at at the start of the show do you what's your what's your view on Twitter with regard to allowing people to say what they want to say now? Is it a better place or is it still controlled? Um, well, I went back on Twitter after a year and a half last week. Um, that wouldn't have happened under Jack Dorsey. Um, well, t- technically, it probably wasn't Jack Dorsey who was stopping no, the conversation. It, it wouldn't have happened under that regime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, what, what, what do I think of Twitter? Well, if you if you purely look at what Elon Musk has done since he's taken over, he's uh, have you been following the Twitter files? Yes. Yeah. 
So he's put out, I think we're up to, I've been, so I haven't been online a lot the last few days, but I think we were up to number 11 or number 12 last week. And essentially, he, he took a, um, a group of independent journalists, left and right. So, for example, from the left, Matt Taibbi of, the, of Rolling Stone. And he said, look, here are all these documents that we've got. Here, here is what was going on. Investigate it. Put it together in a thread. I will send it out. So he's done a number of these things on um, what happened, uh, the way that they were suppressing Trump, on the COVID narrative, on the FBI's relationship with Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of amazing that Elon Musk is still in the land of the living, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is, actually, because I'm sure people have been killed been killed for less. Um, and there's that. And then if you look at the way he responds to certain people's tweets. So uh, there's an example that f- from a few weeks ago where someone was talking about Twitter and, it, and he said, but, but essentially Twitter is a social media site and a crime scene. Mm. <laughs> I mean, and those are his words. And that's the guy that, that owns it. He's also, he's, po- he's posted some very unflattering things about the poison dwarf, Tony Fauci. Um, so, that's, they've lost control of a huge piece that they could rely on. Um, what, what, what's come out is that uh, the, the Biden administration were using, or the, let's, they will say, well, it wasn't the Biden administration, it was the State Department. Well, of course, that makes it all okay. The State Department were using, because they couldn't, they say they couldn't in, interfere with Twitter directly, they were using the FBI. Now, I don't know how much you've been following what's been going on with the FBI, but the FBI is is utterly rotten, you know. I'm sure there are some many good people that work there, but at the top, it's rotten. It's effectively a, um, you know, it's been used as a political instrument for years. So that's all coming out. So I think that... Um, They've lost control of Twitter. That's another major piece of the narrative that they've lost control of. They can't rely on Twitter to silence people who are people who who attack the COVID narrative, the Great Reset narrative, the Ukrainian war narrative. Um, you can do that on Twitter now, and you know some of the some of the poor libtards are most upset about this you know they they think it's terrible that um us conspiracy theorists are being allowed to say these things do you think that some of the people in the high ups in legacy media will ultimately be held accountable for acts of either commission or omission yes i do i do in fact if you look at what's happened to what's happening to cnn this, this is another example of why I say that they're losing control of the narrative. Um, the cabal uh, news network, as I call them, um, they're dropping like flies. The viewing figures are down to something like, in prime time, they were, last year, they were they were down to something like 488,000 uh, viewers. Now, you know, this is a country of 200 million people. 
400. I mean, there are podcasters out there who get a bigger audience than CNN. They've they've had to fire, um, they've had to fire certain of the the anchors. They've you know some of them have left. Cuomo left in disgrace. Um, the little uh, I, I, I cancelled their names out of my head once they've gone. <laughs> I, mean, I mean they're so awful. Some of these people, the, the CNN is falling apart. Um, You've still got people like Anderson Cooper. And uh, you see, I don't know how far it's going to go, but um, I do believe that these people will be be held to account. I believe that, um, you know, it's like the thing I said with Epstein. um, And and I said this to to Martin Wolf at the FT years ago. Mm. He was on his high and mighty horse about something. Uh, um, and I said, look, you've been sitting at Davos, you've been visiting Bilderberg for years, With peop- uh, you've sat with paedophiles, you've sat with people who know that people are paedophiles, you've sat with people who are racketeers, you've sat with people who know that racketeering is going on. And by your very presence there and your promotion of these institutions, for want of a better word, you're colluding with it. And, you know, oh, the I'm sorry, the I didn't know story isn't going to wash. Just the same as at Nuremberg 1, the I was only following orders didn't wash. You know, it it does. It's really disingenuous. For example, when you get Squeaky Bill Gates being interviewed by um, uh, on, and this has happened a couple of times now, where he, he's asked about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, and he, and he boils it down to one dinner. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry, but a man in his position what he started off with you know the first thing was he didn't know that was the that was the thing that was that was that was the thing that was circulating by people on behalf of him whether he's i i never heard him say that he didn't know but that was the thing that was the narrative that the media were going with well you know if you're a billionaire and you are invited to dinner with someone who, who is is maybe uh, you can look at projects for your charities because both of them had a foundation. You don't go to dinner, if you're a billionaire, you don't go to dinner at someone's house without having them checked out. I mean, do me a favour. These people don't do that. They've got people who, who check you out. You know? You don't go to to have dinner with a guy who was arrested for child trafficking a number of years before, who was found guilty of child trafficking a number of years before, who was let off because of his contacts with the intelligence services with this dumb uh, uh, sentence, which wasn't really a sentence. But essentially, you don't go and visit the house of a child trafficker without you knowing that he was a child trafficker. So the, so the story that I didn't know isn't going to wash. So then we come down to, so, so, Bill, you thought it was okay 
to go and have dinner with a paedophile? That's the question that these people need to be asked. It's not you're not going to. They are not going to get away with all this crap that they've always got away with. They're going to get it in their face, just like you or I would get it in our face if we had the absolute audacity to turn around and say, "Well, sorry, Gav, I didn't know." It's like you know, with the and forgive me because I I, I I get very upset about this. This is children. This is our children we're talking about. You've got Charlie Cap, Cap you know, Charlie Windsor, best mates with Jimmy Savile for years. Please don't tell me you didn't know because Childline knew, because uh, people in the, in the, the police force knew. People in uh, judges knew. People in the House of Lords knew. They may not want to be uh, stand up and say that they knew, but of course they knew. And I know for a fact through talking to people who have people uh, contacts at Childline that they knew. But they said, "Well, what can you do about it?" Okay, so you've got the we've we've got the guy who's about to become king, who was hanging out with a with a paedophile and a necrophiliac for years who is actually um, politically involved with an organisation, the World Economic Forum, that is behind lockdown policies, that is behind um, uh, essentially forced medication, which is what they want to do, is is behind a very dangerous political movement. And we want this person to sit on the throne as our head of state. But intriguingly, he wasn't uh, he he wasn't invited or he didn't attend Davos this year, did he? Charles? No, he wasn't, he wasn't there, and uh, I think they probably you know they they're probably trying to play it safe. But my point my point is, it's not a, just it's not going to wash to say I didn't know it it because the question's going to be asked and. The answer, there is no answer that is going to satisfy people. And that is coming. That tide is coming. So here's a, a question that's very close to my heart and my, my, my single probably biggest concern at the moment, which is, do you think they'll have time to introduce central bank digital currency before the whole system blows apart? Okay. Um well, of course, that is part of the plan, isn't it? That was again, we've gone. You know, we haven't really touched on the finance side of it, but the, of course, the part, of, a major part of this reset, which they don't talk about a lot, but which is an essential part of it, is that they want to introduce the currency that you talked about. Are they going to be able to do it? I don't know. I don't know. I think that uh, I don't know, Tim. I wish I wish I did know. I. I I mean, I use cash deliberately. Same, same here. Uh, you know, but what what effect I can have? But are they going to be able to get away with it? Are they going to be able to do it before the system comes uh, comes crashing down? Probably not. Will they uh, try? The way the, the way I the way I look at it is is in the event that it 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 is allowed to happen, and I say allowed to happen wrong, nobody because nobody wants it except the people trying to bring it in. Is somebody? I think it was even the House of Lords said. 
that CBDC, central bank digital currency, is a solution in search of a problem. Nobody wants it except the people trying to force it into the economy come hell or high water, which are basically yeah. either you know, big government elitists or you know, people in the fintech industry who will clearly stand up to prosper from it. But the way I look at it is if you, if you try and force people to use uh, a, a type of money that can be tracked and traced and all of this stuff controlled and surveyed, almost immediately what will happen is you'll create the biggest, biggest black economy in the history of our economy. People will find a way around it. That, that, that's, yeah. that's what I hope and hope and suggest is going to happen. If, if if it's allowed to take place, which hopefully it never will. Yeah. I suppose my my fond my fond hope is that before that ever happens, some of the some of the guilty people will be uh, held accountable, and the whole thing just breaks down under under the force of its own weight. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. That I hope it that it breaks down. I don't. But there is a degree of wishful thinking, which I have to confess, because it's not. I suppose the thing is, when 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 you're engaged in whatever you call this you know, predicament that we're in, um, as you say, it's like sort of fifth generation war rather than sort of conventional war that we we grew up on with black and white, you know, war films of you know of kinetic war. Um, when when they seem to have all of the sort of traditional media on their side, the, the counter revolution will not clearly not be televised. You might read about it on Substack though or Twitter. Yes. Absolutely, that's 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 absolutely right. That that piece, by the way, that fin- the financial piece, is a really important part of the overall piece. Which is, step back for a second. Let's say if you have a world where the population has to. Uh, have a digital identity in order to go places and do things. Where you have a, you have so you have to have a vaccine passport. You, uh, if you look at the other thing that they're trying to push through at the moment, um, fifteen minute cities. Yeah, are you familiar with that? Yeah, big in big in Oxford, certainly. They're trying to do. They're going to try and do it down in 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 Wales as well, because of course the Welsh government is a. Don't get me started on the on the Welsh government, but you're in a situation where you have a digital currency linked to a vaccine mandate, linked to a vaccine passport, linked to a twenty minute city. And all of those things are on a digital identity, which is stored underneath your skin, which is their wet dream. Then you have got the the Chinese Communist Party's system of social credit nailed down into an art form. Because you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, you can't say anything, you can't spend any money if you lose your credit score, your your overall score. So you have the perfect control mechanism. So with, so they don't present, the, and that is the plan. That absolutely is the plan, that you will have a world government and you will have a population that lives in smart cities that is medicated from birth to death that is operating a digital currency that works on a social credit system. Um, Dissent becomes nigh on impossible. So that's why all of these pieces individually 
are really, really important. It's important for people to find these um, these twenty minute c- c- uh, cities. By the way, do you, a one minute city is a cell block. Yeah, mm. one minute city is a cell block. A twenty minute city is a an expanded cell block. Your 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 movements are being controlled. Of course, they say, "Oh well, you can, you know, it's only so you can leave so many times, and you can go on these long trips, and blah 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 blah." But it's like in the they don't give freedoms back; they take them. So, if so, people who are fighting this are absolutely right to fight it because it's an important piece. People who are fighting the the, the digitised currency, that's an important piece. The mandates are, are, are an important piece. The passports are, import, are an important piece. It, all of it together, individually, these pieces are important, but together uh, it's massive because it's, it is the new normal. Do you remember that guy right back at the beginning, an Australian politician, where they were talking about um, COVID, the first COVID lockdown. And this little politician, I forget his name. There were a bunch of politicians at this meeting, uh, press conference, and he said, oh, this is, the, um, this is the new world order. And he stopped himself as he was saying it, and he got dirty looks from all of those. Around. This was in April 2020. And it astonishes me that that if anybody can look back at all of those things that people like me and lots of others said that they we said they were going to do this crap and they have done this crap and you've only got to look back to see that they have done this crap but look you look back and you hear something like that and how could you not go hmm there must be something in this. I think it must be a sense of psych- psychopathy that they, they also seem determined to let us know exactly what they want to do and and you know leave leave trails of crumbs of evidence behind them as they go along. So, you know, it's not like they're not trying to pretend or conceal what their intentions are. No, they don't. Um, they seem to like trolling everybody. Here's what we're going to do, and you know, it's going to be fantastic really for to us. Do you want me to go to the outer limits and explain what's going on there? Go for it. You're amongst friends. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, religion, Christianity, whether it be Christianity or, or any form of sincerely held religion, is a problem for these guys, which is why churches, you know, churches were locked down and, and all the rest of it. Now, what, why, is, why is that? Um, because if they, you want, they want to atomize everything, so they want yeah. to atomize all forms of traditional life, including family and religion. Yes, if you're trying, if you if you want to control the belief system of a of a society, if you want to control people at, at a societal level, it's important that you that you break down any fabric that that holds people together, like family and religion, as Tom as as uh, Tim just said, you know, so. But essentially, um, the, 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 some of these guys are Luciferian, which, did, which is what I mean by the outer limits stuff. Now, the whole Luciferian thing, that they, 
believe that, which is, I mean, essentially these people are sociopaths, psychopaths. From a psychological point, that's how you that's how you describe them. But essentially, that they want to be God. Um, now, but they know that there are certain laws in this universe that can't be trifled with, and one of them is free will. So it's no good forcing you to do it. You have to comply. So the reason that they put this stuff out there, and like Tim said, uh, breadcrumbs, is to say, so they can turn around and say, well, we told you. We told you that's what we were going to do. In the in the, the myth of myth question mark in the myth of vampires and vampirism, the vampire can't enter the property unless he's invited. Exactly, exactly. Now that that is not, yeah, exactly. I'll just say no more than that. If that's that, you put your finger right on it. You know, um, these people know that there are two there are two fu- there are two fundamental laws of the universe which you cannot get around. One of them is free will. And the other one is consequences, the law of consequences. But you can avoid the consequences of forcing to, forcing people to do stuff if actually it was their choice. So it's to take away your choice, but not really to take away your choice. And then the other thing is that, you know, these people don't kill people. They, people who work for them, um, Kill people. It sounds really, it, it, you know, I, I'm aware that this sounds really, it sounds really uh, out there and nuts, but you've got to remember that the history that you're taught, these guys are not, they're not taught the same history. You go, you go to school and you learn a history. Okay. If you're Bill Gates or you're one of these guys, one of these people in these families, you were taught the history of your family. So in his case, his father was Bill Gates Sr., who was a eugenicist, who worked for Rockefeller. Um, and, you know, these lines go back a long way. These people regard themselves as the fittest, that they, they, should, they should rule. In fact, they even had a guy who called himself Bill, who left a comment on my um, blog after one of my articles, and he said, my family has managed humanity for thousands of years. It may not be perfect, but it's okay. To which my reply was, well, I suggest you write a book of that title and see how that turns out for you. But you see, if, you, if you're someone like Bill Gates, you grow up and the 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 situ- your your life is is the doors are opened for you so um microsoft was built on mommy's address book um he's not a genius he's quite me- mediocre in fact if you listen to him talk he's a numpty but doors are opened and pathways are smoothed for these people and they are put 
that they are manoeuvred into a position of power. And don't get me wrong, he, he is, he's got a lot of talent. He knows how to manipulate people. He's, if you look at what, what they've done with COVID and what they've done, they are selling a drug that is killing people. And people are still buying it. Now, it's not a talent I want, but there's a talent there. You, he's controlling a media that is ignoring the adverse effects, that is ignoring the, 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 the leap in myocarditis, in pericarditis, in all of these things that are happening. Most people are still unaware of it. There's a, there's a hell of a lot of talent there, but it's not the talent that, uh, that he would like you to believe it is. So these people, have a, they are taught the history of humanity from their point of view. And they believe they are the, they are the ones that should be ruling, and they rule and um, pass it off as talent. And it's not. It's not talent. There is nothing um, genius about Bill Gates. Someone coined the phrase philanthropist, which is, uh, for, sorry, not philanthropist, philanthropath. Philanthropath, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and Soros is another one. You know, the so-called, his son calls him the greatest of all times. Well, no, the greatest of all times was Muhammad Ali. Soros is a nonagenarian sociopath. It's two different things altogether. It's just an old goat, which is something else altogether. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it sounds terribly harsh. I sound like a thoroughly nasty person. I don't talk like this about my friends and my loved ones because I don't hang out with sociopaths. But if you, you know, if we're in a war and it's a war between good and evil, and I'd like to be able to dress it up some other way, but there is no other way to dress it up. It's a war between good and evil. You don't compromise with evil. Um, and changing the system, you cannot change the system until you cha- until you prosecute the crimes that hold that system in place. You know, it's like uh, the mo- uh, for, you know the mon- Let's look at the monetary system, for example. What is it? It's a crime scene. It's a crime scene. Central banks printing money that national governments could print for themselves, charging interest that you and I pay through our taxes, but of course it never gets paid off, and that's not the point anyway. The point is to keep you on the payroll, so to speak, keep you paying. A system that always eventually has to crash, and another one has to be bought in, and you've got a, you've got a group of people there who their their contribution to that is to print the stuff and take take a percentage of your real productivity for doing nothing i can sense i can sense paul's invisible mind waves um, emanating through the ether towards me, and he's going to ask, or I'm going to ask on his behalf, to beat him to the punch. Uh, in 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 counter response to this, what do you think about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency as a protection against central bank debauchery of, of fiat? 
and uh, the possible introduction of CBDC. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't use it. I don't have any. Um, but do you have any? Do you have any? Let's say sympathy for the for the for, for the for what it represents. I have total sympathy for anybody that wants that that wants to get out of that system. Yeah. Um, I. I am suspicious. I'm very suspicious. So, for example, the the XRT thing that's just occurred. You know, I mean, I know it was a, it, it's a different thing because it was a platform. No, not X. The the one with the um, F- FTX. F sorry, FTX. XRT is a is a currency, isn't it? Or XRP. XRP. Yeah. Yeah. I'm showing my I'm showing my expertise here, really, on But you know, FXP. Um, there's there's a lot of there is the potential for you changing out of a system which is run by elite scumbags and going into a system that is controlled by people who work for elite scumbags <laughs> who look like you and I but are not. So I, I personally don't touch it, but I have uh, but I, I use gold. And silver. Um, I've got I've got um, some of my wealth stored in in uh, precious metals, but I do have sympathy for anybody that wants to get out that system. So, I think you coined the phrase uh, "the quickening," which, from what I understand, is a period where everything unravels. And I'm wondering where do you think we are in that process? Because I think Tim mentioned also that you overall and on your blog, you're optimistic. Mm. So um, is it is it happening in the way that you expect or? Well, the, the quickening, right. The quickening I wrote in 2019, a few months before the COVID thing, with no idea that the COVID thing was going to kick off. But with just with a feeling that, you know, this ain't going on much longer. Something is going to give here because it's just, it, it's all falling apart. I, I, I thought that it would be a financial crash. I didn't see a pandemic, a pandemic there. So that was 2019. The piece I've just written now, which in answer to your question, is uh, just last week, is called The Turning. Because where I think we are now is that that, um, we're still in the – we're at the stage where the truth starts to get more airplay and the war is turning. That's where I think we are. So I'm aware that – and I'm sorry if it comes across as as quite negative, or if you know if I get if I get a bit strident. But it's just like this is a wonderful opportunity talking to you guys. It's a wonderful opportunity for me, whether people agree with it or not, just to get it out, just to get it out there. Because people, if if, if nothing else, people listening to this, uh, if, if they do nothing else other than think, do you know what? I'm going to have a look more into this or into then it will have achieved some good. Uh, but actually where I am is, is uh, right now is, although I can't tell you that, uh, and I've given up trying to predict my, my, my idea of how long things take. I want it done yesterday. 
Mm. And I'm always overly optimistic about how long things are going to take. And it's been a lesson for me this last three or four years in, you know, how long it takes for people to just start to see basic things, which if you if your eyes are open, it's as clear as day. You know, these people are not, you know, these crimes are right out there for everybody to see. But in, in, in your defence, I'd cite the Adam Smith approach, which is there's a great deal of ruin in a nation. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, the more this the more this system falls apart, the more you see how just that, what you just said, how absolutely, utterly corrupt and rotten and tragic the whole thing is. But why I'm optimistic is overall is because, you know, we've been, you can't sweep this stuff under the carpet. I'm sorry, we, you know, we're going to have to look at it. If you, if, if you, if we want a world where children are looked after and cherished, we're going to have to tell the truth about the child trafficking that's been going on. Totally known about by elite people, by governments. We're going to have to tell the truth about that. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, if you, if you don't want something to happen again, you have to actually look at the fact that it happened in the first place. If we want the, the financial system to work, we're going to have to tell the truth about what a disgusting scam we've been living under, you know, which Henry Ford said over 100 years ago, if people realised what was going on, there would be a revolution in the streets tomorrow. It's not like any of this stuff is new. But it's all coming to a head now. We have to tell the truth about it. So where I'm at right now is, is two things. One is that when I get an opportunity like this, and thank you for inviting me on, is to say, look at this, guys, because this is actually happening. The other side of it is I do think that the their control of the narrative is falling apart. And what you're going to see throughout 2023 is more and more good news in, in the sense of you're going to start to see people being held to account. So just to take one example, in the House of Representatives, and I'm not um, – I'm not a big fan of most of the Republicans in there uh, because a hell of a lot of Marinos, Republicans in name. Mm. But there are some good people in there who are going to hold these guys to account. So the, the committee that investigates COVID is going to ask all, all the questions that the last lot didn't. The the guy the committee that's looked the oversight committee that's looking into into the Biden crime family and his connections with Ukraine. And his business deals with China, because, of course, all of this stuff is linked. They are actually going to ask some really hard questions. Those questions are going to be uh, televised on the, uh, the public broadcasting system in America. They're not going to be able to hide this stuff. And if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, the cabal frontmen like Soros, Gates, Schwab, these, and some of the, the politicians, they're already backtracking on some of the stuff that they've said. 
Um, they're admitting stuff. They're saying, oh, well, this hasn't worked as we expected, but, you know, uh, we need to do this now. Now, so you're going to start to see the truth come out and the, the, their pack of lies is going to lose its grip. But also, if you express it in in, in pared down terms as, as, a, as a fight between good and evil, then we've sort of seen how this film ends. There's there's a there's a quote from Gandhi. Yeah. When I when I despair, I remember that all through history, the way of truth and love have always won. There have been tyrants and murderers, and for a time they can seem invincible, but in the end they always fall. Think of it, always. Yeah. We know how the film ends. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that. Because, you know, it's very important when I've always said throughout this whole thing, whenever I get when I'm talking to people and people get uh, people get down, I'm not down. I just want people to wake up and see and smell the coffee. But I'm not down about it. I've I've seen the trend turning in our favor from the beginning. And you have to look at trends, because if you just look at now, if you, you know, if you look, just look at the trees, you don't see the forest. If you just look at the price of, uh, take a financial e- example, you look at the price of something now, and that's all you see, and it's lower than yesterday. Oh, woe is me. You've got to look at the trend. And, and the trend is up, and it's going to continue to go up. They're not going to give up. They're not going to give up because they can't give up. And uh, in fact, just to go back to a question you asked me earlier on, um, and you made a good point, well, how could they think they could ever get away with it? You know, sociopaths are very confident people. And we're dealing with sociopaths. That I, It's difficult for people to realise these guys, they think they are superior. And they expect to win. And they expect to win, and they can't conceive of not winning because, in, in their own, you know, the, the the myth that they've built in their own lunchbox is that they are superior and that they they deserve to rule. But they secretly know that they're not, and they secretly know that the point where the population wakes up and 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 realizes the game, they're done for. Because there's a hell of a lot more of us than there are of them. But so it's like they're like um, they're like poker players who've uh, always won, but they're now in a game. We were doubling down on a really weak hand. Yeah, but they've got to because there's no alternative for them. There's no alternative. It's the last hand, if you like, and they're all in. They're all in, so they're not going to give up. So. are they prepared to? Uh, are they prepared to have a war in Ukraine? Yes, of course. Wars are wonderful distractions. All the evidence gets destroyed. People forget it. You know, it's it's the it's almost the biggest. Don't look over there. Look over here. That you can imagine. Are they prepared to have a nuclear war? Well, the, 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 these guys have all got underground compounds. You know, I'm sure that. Uh, that uh, the Soros family, the Rockefeller family, the Rothschilds, if there's a nuclear war, they ain't going to be on the top uh, in their mansions hiding under the stairs. They're going to be 100 foot down in some hole somewhere. So, yeah, they're not going to give up. But I think that 
you know, the truth is coming for all of them. And the, the, the truth does not need anything else. Do, the lie, a lie needs an argument in order to exist. The truth needs nothing. It just is. It just is. And the truth is going to come out that 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 whatever it is did not come from somebody who bought a bat and made some bad soup in Wuhan. That it came from a laboratory. The Fauci knew it came from a laboratory. That that Fauci hushed it all up. And all of that is going to come out. Now, whether it gets to the point where they whether they prove that it was released deliberately or whether they do a deal. You know, if it was, they do a deal with, uh, because these guys always do deals. Um, they do a deal and uh, they, they tell the rest of us that, it, yeah, but it was an accident. I don't know. But the, it's going to come out that they came out of a laboratory. The truth is going to come out. The truth is going to come out about Epstein about the, the people in that little black book. The truth is going to, so the truth coming out about the paedophilia, about what's been going on in the financial world, about what went, what's been going on in various elections around the world. COVID, the Great Reset, you know. It's going to be an interesting time to be alive. It's incredibly interesting, isn't it? You know, and... Um, it's it's great that uh, no, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. But if this had happened twenty years ago, I would have to work. I'd have to be earning a living. I wouldn't have the time to actually, you know. I'm an old fart who has got a lot of time on his hands, and I can pay a lot of attention, and I do. But but yeah, so you know, Piers Morgan can say things like, uh, you know, what are you going to say when your grandchildren? Uh, ask you, what do you, you know, you know, when they say, what did you do during the war on COVID? Do you remember when he made that comment? Yeah, well, now people, his grandchildren are going to be saying, well, what did you do during the, during the COVID scam, Piers? Well, I'm, I go to bed at night with a clear conscience knowing that I'm on the right side because I am. Because, you know, the truth is going to come out. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm rabbiting now. No, not at all. Paul, any, any, any closing comments from you? Um, <clears throat> no, I think, I think we probably could go to media picks from here if you're, if you're up for do you that. Have, do, you have a, do you have a pick for us, uh, Mark? Me. Anything you'd like to? Oh. Do you want me to go? Uh, shall I go first? So yeah, there's time go, to gather your thoughts. I'm, I'm completely, my head's still in that conversation. So I'll kick off then. So this film I saw uh, the last weekend, um, I've long uh, stated my admiration for a, a specific subgenre called the the comedy horror. And I think I may have I may have stumbled on the original original comedy horror, which is a, a film from 1932 called The Old Dark House, directed by James Whale from a, a novel by J.B. Priestley. And it's your classic sort of abandoned, well, not quite abandoned, but but creepy old house, um, horror, or go, almost a ghost story. Uh, Boris Karloff inevitably is in it. Charles Law, it's got a great cast. Charles Lawton's also in it. 
and basically a, a bunch of travellers in Wales, I think it is, so close close to your heart, Mark. I think um, there's a, there's a storm, and they they seek shelter in this in this family in this old family wreck um, run by the the Fem family, who are all as mad as a box of frogs. It's it's superbly atmospheric. Has moments of moments of you know, it's it's has very dark moments. It's also has moments of extreme comedy, and it's just um it's just a delight. It's only seventy minutes long, so if you don't like it, you'd have to put up with it very long. But it's called the Old Dark House. The James Old Dark House, nineteen thirty-two, and I'd recommend it to anybody that that has a, a a taste for the for the slightly ghoulish and the bizarre, and it's a cracker. I shall watch it. Great. Well, my mine is the um, one that I haven't fully watched all of. Uh, I've just started watching it, but it's um, it's got such a high rating on IMDb that I just can't imagine that it'll disappoint. Um, it's got nine point two out of ten from one hundred and seventy seven thousand reviews. So it's a Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's The Last of Us. So. Uh, the last. Oh, this is a this is series, isn't it? It's a yeah. zombie series, isn't it? It's the zom- yeah, it's a zombie similar. series. Which, um, yeah. So I literally only watched the half of the first episode because I haven't had much time. Um, but it's uh, it started off, you know, interestingly. Obviously, it's talking about a pandemic. It's like okay, here we go. But I suppose it is based on the game where it's zombie ap- apocalypse. But interestingly, I thought the angle as to how it's happened has been shifted towards um fungi so i thought that that's really interesting just when we're getting to the point where people are seeing the kind of potential medical benefits of of natural um you know if you watch the the other documentary we talked about fantastic fungi on netflix you'll see that there is Apparently, potential there that's that seems to be untapped and untalked about, um, but is becoming um, more widely recognised. And and also with the uh, there was a series I think that I mentioned about uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but again on Netflix about drugs and it it goes through all the different types and all the everything that we learnt about all the different types of drugs and their effects. Um, it's it's quite astonishing how we have got preconceived ideas about, of course, they can be dangerous, but used in medical um, circumstances, they can have incredible benefits for people who've who've got, you know, say, um, alcohol addiction or or other problems um, like PTSD or something like that. So, um, so. And all the studies into certain drugs was just halted at um, at the behest of the government, the uh, American government. Um, apparently, due to during the um, the Vietnam War, they were having difficulty recruiting people because they were having too much fun with drugs. So they decided that this is this is preventing the recruitment. So they needed to to do something about it. And that's why they um, they they started this this campaign against LSD, for example. So um, so it's two things that you just sort of go, okay, this is really interesting. This new series looks great, and I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. But I've only just started watching it. But uh, but also the main premise is actually, I guess, 
making it, make, putting that thought in your head that that this 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 thing could be potentially very dangerous. So, um, so yeah, so that that that's that's that. I, I'll I'll look up the name of the series that I'm talking about. I may have mentioned it before. Um, the what the one about drugs that's on Netflix. Yeah. I, have you seen that at all? Has anyone else seen no. that? No. But uh, as as a comment on Netflix, Netflix seems to have changed its policy a lot recently. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot less. It's a lot less wokey wokey, and you know they put in other stuff on there. They're perhaps struggling. They're perhaps grasp that they need to be commercially successful and survive. That might be it. <laughs> tip tip them over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, it's it's how to change your mind was the is the series limited series. Um, how to change uh, your mind. Yeah. It's, so the first chapter is LSD, then it goes to psilocybin, MDMA, and mescaline. It's it's fasc- It's absolutely fascinating. It's like you know, if if you would have said LSD to me prior to this uh, series, I would have said yeah, dangerous drug, bloody hell, you know, yeah. But then you actually learn a bit more about it and it's it's just fascinating well if i may completely destroy my uh, reputation uh what's left of it but by <laughs> recounting my first experience of lsd was it was in um would have been in a boarding house in a place called porth call in south wales in probably 1975 when I took some LSD and I, and I, we were at dinner and I said to this guy, uh, when's it going to start to take effect? And he looked at me as if I'd completely gone mad and he said, what have you just been doing for the last five minutes? And I said, well, I was, I've been watching these peas chase the pork chop around the plate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a true story. I've just written "Let It Be." <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not one of these people who can say that they didn't inhale, because I'm I'm afraid that you know in my in in the, in the 1970s I try I tried you, you, you did swallow. I did swallow. I inhaled. I took all sorts of things, <laughs> but of course I'm far too. Old. Old and mature to have done anything like that since about 1980, I think. Yeah. Um, now, before, do you mind, Paul? Because I, I, I want to ask you something before I do mine. Yeah, of course. It'll give my subconscious mind time to do a bit more thinking in the background because I'm I'm on a blank at the moment. Um, Tim said a lot about. And I kind of know where Tim comes from as well, because he, you know, because I read the stuff that he writes. I'm interested to know what what impact some of the things that I've said. What I mean, what do you what do you make of what I've been saying? And please be honest. Yeah, I mean, I um, I make my own mind up about things, and it's I think the truth is the truth, and um. Critical thinking is is the most important thing you can you can either have for yourself or or teach, and um, teach your children. And so for me, it doesn't it it doesn't affect any of my views. What I do is I take what you say as information, mm-hmm. and then I look over a period of time to see 
whether the things that you're saying are either confirmed or denied. And, yeah. and the, so, for example, over the, at the beginning of the pandemic, as Tim said, we had people on who were saying, well, I've, do, I've done some sort of financial analysis on the vaccines and they don't stop you spreading it. So I don't think they're going to be commercially as successful as people think they are. And then the next thing you've got everybody saying, right, in order to get our freedoms back, you need to get vaccinated. And it's like, okay, so why are they saying that if they don't? And then later on, it's like, oh, yeah, actually, it hasn't worked. So you need another one. And then it's, so it's either, either they've, something's gone terribly wrong, to put it mildly. How could they not have known that at the beginning? Why are there all these scientists saying completely the opposite? Why do you actually have to shut them down on Twitter? Yeah. Why, why do you have to do all of that in order to control them? Why are you trying to ruin the reputation of someone like Joe Rogan, who is simply asking questions? Yeah. Why do they go to those lengths? Why don't they report? I mean, perhaps the Trusted News Initiative forced the, these news channels to do what they've done because they're sending money and they're legally making them say these things. So perhaps the journalists don't want to say it, but they're being forced to. But the effect is the same thing. All the people who weren't getting money from that were saying completely different things. Why is Matt Taibbi so at odds or has been so at odds with the narrative? You know, a respected journalist, investigative journalist. Um, so th there's also an element that governments can try to use certain figures in order to detract from what they're doing. So, for example, in Hungary, I think they, they made George Soros to be a a demonized figure that needed to be stopped in order to gain control and to detract, detract from what they were trying to do. So it is possible that, um, and I'm not saying that about, I'm not saying you're right or wrong about any, anybody or anything. I'm just saying that governments use different tactics in order to divert attention from things that they want, don't want you looking at perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that's one of them. You know, you create this external threat. Um, also, I mean, in my mind, I remember the 9-11 attacks. And if you start talking about buildings just falling down and the mechanics of how that happens, well, there's some very big questions there just to start yeah. with. Yeah. Um, if you accept the Twin Towers fell, fine, which is also, if you understand the, the melting point of steel, um, of the, the the girders that were used there, you realised you could never get to that temperature, as we know from the Grenfell disaster yeah. in the UK. No building has ever fallen due to fire because it's just not possible. Yeah. Uh, but we were, but apparently they just fell. Um, but there's also the building number three that just fell and it wasn't touched. So if you accept that it yeah, was the two planes, yeah. so you accept the two planes, fine. Okay, but the, the third building that had nothing touching it just fell like a pack of cards. And we're just, it's, it's like a car just sort of folding in on itself in the street and everyone going, yeah, that's, that's completely normal because it's never, ever happened before. 
So yeah. these are all very strange questions. And what happened after that? Obviously, there was a war in Iraq. Iraq wanted to move away from US dollars and start pricing their oil in euros. No coincidence, of course. Um, I don't know. So, so all these things, and then having um, having been quite uh, sort of not okay in searching for the truth. I've grown up in a a very kind of religious family, and I've kind of rejected it and felt that religion is something that's another form of control. Yeah. But actually I was on the I was debating whether to talk about The Last of Us or the recent Joe Rogan Jordan Peterson um podcast, which I think is one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. It's just absolutely amazing. I've met Jordan Peterson, he's an absolutely lovely person, uh supremely um intelligent, but also just a very nice man. So w- whatever people say about him. He is a gentleman. He's how he is. How you see him is how he is in real life. Um, and you know the way he talks about the writings of the Bible is incredible. It's fascinating. And if you take away the the, the elements that perhaps have been used for control and just look at what the story means, uh, he explains what these stories actually mean and why they are there as opposed to me thinking, well, this is all just kind of nonsense, you know, there's no man in the sky watching everything we do. Apparently he's not a man now, so let, that's another mm. that's another <laughs> branch that we could go off into. But this whole, well, perhaps we should talk about that. What is What is this corruption of language? How can we start saying that men are women and women are men and there's no, that uh, trans women are women and, well, if they are women, why are we calling them trans women? Why don't we just call them women? And all, all these sort of logical questions that come out of this, this, this constant bombardment of, of, um, of, of the corruption of language that Tim said, has said a long time ago, that's the first thing that goes, is the corruption of language. Yeah. Um, so, so where I am is, I'm looking at all of this, and I'm, I'm just hopeful in the same way that you are, that more people eventually get to see it. Now, I think if, if um, with what's happening now, I actually worry that people are going to get extremely angry and this, oh, I think perhaps they should. And, and maybe the backlash could be, you know, pretty terrible. But, I, I, you know, I'm hoping that the that justice will be served in the right places and the people that were corrupt, whether it was by accident or design, the people get their comeuppance in the way that you say. Mm. But, but there are certain things like, um, certain things that you say about the list, the list, who was on the list? Well, apparently it wasn't important enough for anybody to examine that list. Well, why? Why is that? And how could that even happen? And... Mm. Just to finalize this, um, we spoke about on a, a different show. One of the one of the media picks I had was the uh, the Madoff scandal because I watched the, the, the limited series on Netflix, which was fantastic. Obviously, lived through that period and saw it in real time. 
And anybody who knows anything about financial markets knows that you can't offer a 1% guaranteed return no matter what the market's doing. You know, every almost, month. Every month. It's just not possible. You can't do that every single month without deviation. And yet, that's what investors were led to believe. That's what everybody believed. It just shows you people will believe what they want to believe until the truth comes out. But what, yeah. was, but what was actually, this is why I recommended it on the show, not because of that, but because they explained this one small element of it, which was right at the end of it, um, investors had to be made whole or there was this, there was this big hole of money that needed to be filled. And it just turns out that the Securities Commission charges the corporations an insurance fee for this very event, right? So they say this is the insurance. If something, if somebody's dodgy, then we will tap into this fund and we will pay all the people back, you know, yeah. who've lost money, right? Yeah. Instead of doing that, do you know what they did? They no. clawed the money back from all the people who'd made a profit. which I thought was absolutely astoundingly corrupt. So you could have had this old lady who's been investing her money yeah, and made some profit out of it, but then all of a sudden her family is now, she may have died, but her family is now in hock for all the money, all the profits that she allegedly has taken from this this scheme. Which they may have put into their house. Or whatever it might be. I mean, yeah. th- that's clearly not how that should have been done. No. Um, you know, as an investor, so they put their money in in good faith. You can't then take that money away from the investor because the system was designed in such a way that they should have been protected. That's why they were taking the premiums. So I thought that was an amazing example of perhaps. Perhaps how things operate, where you might say there's a conspiracy theory out there that everything's being controlled, or you might say it's opportunistic. And actually, that was going to be one of my questions. How much of this could just be opportunistic? You know, you see a pandemic starts, and then it's like, okay, there's an opportunity to make money here. How do we do it? And everybody just sort of says, okay, we could do this, we could do this, and action stations, and they work out how they do it, as opposed to actually just being planned from before because I've, I've spoken to people who understand microbiology and for many years they were saying look at some point there's going to be a pandemic you know it's just sort of inevitable so in some ways it's not a surprise um but i'm not saying that 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 means that it wasn't engineered or or there weren't some very dark things going on because i don't know for sure but the fact that one would happen every about a hundred years or so is is probably you'd sort of have to bet on something like that, and at some point it would happen. So yeah, that's a good it's it's a good question. I mean, all I would say to that is that it is both. I mean, these guys that uh, these guys have studied human nature, um, and they know how things work. And so you, the, that's the thing. You don't have to get everybody, uh, 
everybody ha- doesn't have to follow a script. You put something like that into place, and then, of course, you know people are going to be opportunistic. You know that, uh, you, you know, the, 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 look how long they've worked on the um, ethical investing side of things. Um, and now, you know, how much attention BlackRock and Vanguard and these guys have put into convincing everybody that that that's the way to go and then governments get in line with it and then it builds a momentum. They don't need to have, they don't need to plan every single thing and control every single piece. If you start a if you start a wave going, then of course people are going to jump on that wave. And and, and so I think it is both. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I mean I look, I'm not actually expecting an answer from you. It's not it's more an answer from from, from from the world from the world yeah so we, yeah. we can see what happens it's like when when you see that you can't travel to america at the moment unless you've had two jabs of an out of date vaccine doesn't make any sense does it it's when when yeah. you're jabbing six six month old children uh yeah. and you say that to people they say yeah well it's america has got nothing to do with us i'm like what are you talking about i mean well you only have to step away a, a tiny bit and then say okay we're dealing with a, a respiratory virus why are we jabbing people in the arm for something that you get through your nose and throat does that not strike people now as a little bit frankly absurd well it's like yeah. you, there's a condition that affects affects your feet so we get to club you in the face well I, well I, I i i would be less sympathetic for that because i think if if there's many different ways of delivering medicine um and so that to me is not necessarily the 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 delivery method is not necessarily the the main problem with it um what where i find difficulty is where you have scientists who uh look at um uh look at have looked at this and they've said well you know in our opinion you can't really stop a coronavirus it just doesn't it's like trying to stop the flu you can't do it and to to say that you can is 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 it's just impossible and I think you also have the right the right to be skeptical when the entire establishment to a man and woman says this thing is safe and effective when it quite clearly on on on, on very first evidence is neither. Well, it, it, it's, it's something can't be unless it's had a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, you could say it's as safe as we can make it, but you can't guarantee it. And and so you have to look at the the amount of risk you're taking. That, that's my, the own, my, own, my, that's own medical, my own medical regimen is is not to take anything that's promoted on bin lorries run by um, Camden Council. <laughs> so so it's you know I think everyone should make their own minds up and do their own research, as we always say. And so I, I don't think anyone should have an opinion changed by anyone else i think they should work it out for themselves they should yeah. you know and th- that's why i sometimes come across as when i'm asking questions of people it sounds like you know it sounds like i i i don't agree with you and i don't believe you and i'm I, but i'm doing that because i talk to a lot of people on the other side who i try to pose these same questions to and they always have some form of answer that is in my in my view, unsatisfactory, and and so 
when I get an opportunity to to speak to somebody who has a very strong view, I pose the sort of questions that I would then take to them and say, right, well, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of, you know, look at Bill Gates's history. What what about that? What what about the list or whatever it might be? Because because of what you said. Um and and so that's my way of of working. That, that, that's great. I the reason I asked the question was not because you appeared to criticise anything that I said because I don't think you did. Uh, I wanted to ask because you were you were quieter than you were on previous times that we've had the chat, and I just wonder what does he think? Yeah, no, no. So, uh, every time I was about to say something, Tim got beat me to the punch. So and then it it sort of went down that. Paul, you're an, old, you're an old man, but you're out of shape, and with me, it's a full-time job. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. So, yeah. So so it was that. And and on some pods, I think I talk too much, so I, I just tried to, to sit back a little bit. So I, I thought, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, quite honestly, I haven't personally looked – at the up-to-date information on on any of this at the moment, other than I've noticed a definite shift in the media. So, for example, today I see in the Telegraph, Planet Normal uh, podcast is saying, quote, people should be made aware of the link between COVID jabs and heart problems. Now, if you'd said something like that on Twitter... That would never have surfaced in 2020 or 2021. Absolutely, absolutely no way. You'd be a conspiracy theorist. You've been shut down, you know, swivel-eyed, lunatic. What are you talking about? You're going to kill people. You're talking rubbish and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it was pointing out adverse effects that got me suspended in July... 2021. So you know you're absolutely right. If and I and I don't and I didn't actually say. Oh, by the way, it's giving people heart attacks. You know, if you'd have said that, you'd have been straight off. Absolutely. And that's that's another example of them of the, the they don't have the power over the narrative anymore. See, Doctor Malone explained some of this really really well, and yeah. and what he said was. Um, he he said that, so for example, during the pandemic, I heard from a friend who I'm not going to mention, who was saying that um, they are gaming the numbers of people who've got COVID in America because of, because they're getting money from the government to do so. Yeah. And I was thinking, how corrupt can you be to do that? That's just totally awful. But he actually explained the way the American healthcare system works is that they were told to shut down every other form of non-essential um, operation, and that's all their money. So they had mm. no they had no other income coming in. So mm. you've basically forced them to find as much COVID as they can because they're going to get money for it and for the treatment. So lo and behold, you've got the um, you've got the PCR test that, as we know now, could be gamed. Um, depending on how sensitive it is, to produce a positive result, even if there isn't one, yeah. even if there isn't actually any disease there, mm-hmm. and and you know they were doing it because they were getting money for it. Well, it's it's like I think Taleb said in his book that um, in one of his books, uh, I can't remember if it was Anti Fragile or or the latest one, but anyway, I remember him saying that that. There was this time where if if 
if these um what was it these if these stones were found if you found a uh, a sacred stone you would be given money effectively by the government i can't remember the, all the details but the the, the point is is the same one and so if you found any of these sacred sacred uh, either stones or tablets or whatever they were you know and you brought them to the effective government they would give you money but they give you money for each one so what they would do what people would do then quite obviously is if they found one they smash it into pieces so they get money okay. for each one effectively yeah. ruining it but also yeah. when when that, that happened in india and the government gave gave people rewards for one presumed poisonous snakes people just went around collecting poisonous snakes well, and giving yes. them over to the government exactly so yeah. so yeah. It, it's like that so so then then it becomes a self perpetuating problem and that that's just by i mean look i'm not saying that's i'm not saying there isn't an overarching you know design there but that's that is a you can see why people would act in that way, why the companies would act in that way, because they're almost being forced to, and then it becomes a self-perpetuating problem where the figures go up, so the reactions get stronger, um, the fear goes up, and everything is like the, the nuclear meltdown in Chernobyl. It's, it's a, it's a self-feeding reaction. So Absolutely. And this, this is where, this is where the, the two things come together because if you, if you are someone that wants, to, that wants to create this, then you don't have to control every hospital in America. What you do is you control the policy that controls every hospital in America. Yeah. So it's what, it's what you were saying before. Yeah. Um, and also it's government fear. So if governments would look to other governments and see what they're doing and then follow suit because they're too, they are out of fear. They may worry that they're going to do the wrong thing and it's better to do the wrong thing and copy everybody else as they do in the financial industry. You're never going to go broke or lose clients by buying IBM. They would say, you know, even if they didn't really believe in it, if you're all in it and it goes down, well, everybody else is in it. That that's kind of the attitude. Yes. Um, that's that herd mentality. I mean, obviously things have moved on a lot since, since, you know, that attitude, but it's, it's, it's also very, it is similar amongst, um, you know, still amongst certain analysts when it comes to big companies, if everyone's saying one thing and one guy goes out on a limb, it's, you know, if he gets it wrong, there's not a lot of upside. If he gets, if he stays with the other guys and they're all wrong, He's yeah. still he's still right, and that, no, that we got fired for buy, for buying IBM. Yeah, and so, um, so so that that does come into it, but um, but I I think when Tim was saying that um, part of this was my fault, it might have been because I I'd, I'd seen a documentary called Zeitgeist a long time that's, ago. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, and and in that documentary, um there was a quote i i don't remember it because it was so long ago when i saw it but they but it talked about a one world government and and that that was the point that say they're not going to stop until they have a one world government whoever the, they is um and so i'm sure one world government will be sold sold in a very positive light i.e. one currency means you don't have any exchange one policy means you don't have war. Um, potentially, that's that's the way 
it, the way it will be sold. But if it's sold when everybody's being controlled, because when a population gets to a certain size, as we know in China, you have to have certain controls. I'm not saying you have to, but the government, if they're going to be effective, will want to have control because it's got to um, prevent dissent. And how else to do that? What's the better? What's the best way of doing that for for children, for kids? Best way to do that is to put them in a load of debt at the start of their career. You know, education used to be free, and now you've got kids leaving university with two hundred thousand pounds worth of debt. Well, they're not going to start causing problems if they've got that sort of debt. They've got a good a job to get, haven't they? They've got to pay it all off. So you're you're not going to get the backlash that you would normally. So either it's just because businesses, there's good business in lending to these people, or it's by design to to quell any any um, any dissent. And I, you know, I don't know whether that's that's right or not, but it's not a bad theory. I don't think it's a bad theory at all. I think it's a good theory. So, um, but. As I say, at the end of it, I am optimistic. I think the market finds a way. Um, you know, I don't. I think if you try to introduce these LTNs, which outside of the UK people won't know what we're talking about, but low traffic neighbourhoods, fifteen minute cities where everything is within a short distance, you get charged for going outside of those areas. Um, I don't. I don't think people will put up with it. I really don't. And so I, I don't see how they're going to do that. Um, and I think the danger of bringing in, bringing in a currency that is too controlling on people's lives is that they will find something else, and they will um, they they will refuse to use it because that's part of that's part of what a currency has to be. People have to accept it. If they don't accept it, then um, then then it won't. It just will not be used. They'll find something else, and. Mm. The only reason why we can talk about these digital currencies is because the technology didn't exist until 2009 when Bitcoin was created. Now this technology is like out of the bag. Yes, of course, you can see how different people would adopt it. But it also means that people can create their own currency and choose to use that instead. I've cornered the market in leaves myself, but I fear I may be in a hyperinflationary problem come spring. <laughs> well, leaves used to be used as money, as you probably know. So did tally sticks. Um, I think the Bank of England was paid for with tally sticks. So tally sticks were... So all, money has been has taken all sorts of forms. Um, and, uh, and, and cryptocurrencies is, is just one other new form. But... Um, Look, there's there are downsides with cash because you've got people in you know people trying to counterfeit it, and uh, and some states may do that on an industrial scale. So what what do you do if if a rogue nation is counterfeiting your money, um, you know, at a very high level? You're not talking about an individual in his in his basement. You're talking about a highly sophisticated well um uh, you know well funded country actually printing a load of your money there is problems there are problems with that and I, I i i would accept that 
Um, but I also accept that, you know, it's up to, it's, it's, it's the choice of people. People should be able to choose whether they want to use cash or not. And there is a convenience in, in electronic money, but that's all it should be. So that, that was probably quite a long answer. Did I make up for all my... Sorry, quite... Paul, I was, I, was, I was just briefly away. Could you, could you repeat that? Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, don't worry, I'll edit it all out for the, uh, the real no, pod. So, no. I won't, I won't say, so I won't I, I send really people to sleep. You should leave, I really think you should leave it in. I mean, that's the fantastic thing about it, the podcast that you guys do. It is very different. It's, you know, it's conversational. I think you should leave it in. I think you said everything that you said there was... You know, people need to hear that. But yeah, 100%. I'm, not, I'm not the editor. I'm not the editor. But, you know, I hope you leave it in. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I tend to not want to hear myself, so I try to take myself out more than anybody else. But um, but anyway, that that's by the by. But um, has that given you enough time to find a media pick? No, could you talk for another half hour? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um Okay, so this is going to sound incredibly boring. I, I should have given some thought to this before. Um, but there's two things. One is along the lines of what we were to, what I was talking about earlier. I really think it'd be a good, it's a good idea for people to get there, get, to get to grips with what five, fifth generation warfare is. Because to be, in a, but to be in a war and not realize you're in the middle of a war is not a good idea. And uh, there's a book that came out in November that I would like to recommend. It's called The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. And so it's it's session one, introduction to fifth generation warfare, or 5GW as it's called. And it's written by Michael Flynn, uh, retired Lieutenant General uh, of the U.S. Army, former head of the uh, military, the, uh, the military version of, the CIA, um, and also uh, briefly National Defense Advisor to Donald Trump, and a guy called Boone Cutler, who is also a, a retired U.S. Army guy. From, uh, he was a sergeant, so you get you get in the two perspectives in there. So the sergeant is very much an operational perspective, and the general is very much a strategic and tactical perspective. But I would recommend that. Um, and the other thing, I find it, I find it really important to laugh. I think it's, you know, we're going through a period uh, of history where it's really important to laugh and it's really important to feed your spirit. And so I would just, uh, there's all sorts of people that I listen to and watch, but I, uh, so I'm, I, I don't know what specifically to say, but I mean, I don't watch TV. I haven't listened to the news for th- over three years. I, I haven't w- watched the BBC news or listened to uh, Radio 4 for over three years. I can't, I can't stand watching the TV. So I listen to comedy. I listen to music. I, uh, listen to things which feed my spirit. And I think it's really, really important to laugh. So I listen to things like I will turn on and just spend 20 minutes listening to George Carlin, for example, who makes me roar. Uh, And where's that? I've never, what is that, like a YouTube channel? I've not heard of him. Have you heard of him, Tim? He was in um, Bill and Ted, wasn't he, George Carlin? Oh, was he? 
not? Was he not? I need to check this 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 confidently stated fact. So yeah, yeah, he's he's in he's into the Bill and Ted films. Out, but I would I would just say to people, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He plays yeah. Rufus. He plays yeah. Rufus in Bill and Ted's Excellent Got Adventure. You. Yes, yes, I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's he's, he's probably better known for the um his, his sort of seventies era stand up, I guess. Yeah. The, the the talks about it's it's a big fucking club and you're and you're you're not in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, um, yeah. Well, look, Mark, thank you. That was probably the that was probably the lamest media picks anyone's ever done. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, you know, it, it's um, they're all different for different reasons, and that, and so they should be. So, um, um, look. Thanks again for coming on the show. And um, I, I can't remember whether you said last time whether you were, were you writing a book? I thought you were, or have I got that wrong? Were no, you? I wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't you then. Okay. My piece, The Turning, could have been a book. I mean, 6,000 words. It could have very easily been 12,000 words. And if I wanted to turn it into a book, it could have been a book. But by the time, it, by the time you've written a book, it's out of date now. Hmm. Because given what I'm talking about, things are moving so quickly. So, no, I haven't written a book. I might write a book eventually when it's all, when, you know, when the, when it's, it'll never be all over because we'll be on to the next thing. But when we're through this period of time and the right people are in jail and we've got some set, we've got a sensible monetary system and the thing's working and, and we've got, um, you know, I think we should have a written constitution in the UK. Um, when when those were looking back, I think it'd be a good time to write a book, but not now. So for people who want to find you, you've got a blog. Uh, you're back on Twitter. Do you want to give us your handles? So my handle, my blog is markgb.com. And my on Twitter, I'm markgbblog. On Telegram, I'm Mark GB Blog, and on Truth Social, I'm Mark GB Blog. So it's all all the same. Brilliant. Well, thanks once again for coming on. And uh, it's uh, been over two hours, and it's gone very quickly. So, you know, mm. so it's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and hope to have you back. Thank you, guys. It, I really appreciate uh, you inviting me. God bless. Cheers. Cheers, Mark. It's been great fun. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Thanks, everybody. Hope you've made it to the end. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.